Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza. It's Sunday, so that means I'm joined by Matt Harmon to help me recap five of the most interesting NFL games from the afternoon, and we're going to preview the Monday night matchup. It's week 17. I'm sure we're all feeling either fatigue, elation, a combination of the both. It, I mean, the NFL did not disappoint in this final week of the fantasy season. Lots of craziness. Um, what do you think you're going to miss most, Matt? About this, about this season or, or fantasy football or, um, or I the mean, podcast, whatever, what are you going to, I mean, it's the last one of these between us. So what are you going to miss most? I think I will miss, um, I, I have to think about it. <laughs> so not much <laughs> is what, a, not a long list of things for you to choose from. You're not going to miss working all day at 12 hours. You're not going to miss. I don't know what time you wake up for FFL. I know what time I wake up. I think I'm going to five, five o'clock. I wake up at 5.30. Oh, look at that. I thought I might wake up a little bit earlier than you. Um, but uh, I I think I'm going to miss just like the roller coaster. Like remember the period of the season? I guess maybe this still is in play where like the AFC was just a constant um, – like one of those um, – one of those punching bags that you had as a kid of like the Easter Bunny or Santa that just kept like oh, coming yeah. back up just at you. like popping back at you, yeah. yeah. I felt yeah. like there was the that, that portion of trying to figure out the AFC through the season, which in retrospect was fun, but in the time was not fun. Yeah. Well, I see. I mean, I didn't, are, you, are you asking me what I'm going to miss about the season or what I'm going to what am I going to miss know, about man. like just, my just, schedule? Just an intro. Uh, like I'm trying to throw <laughs> throw you bones. <laughs> uh, apparently I suck at it. Uh, suck at receiving the bone here. But anyways, no, I think that. The thing I will miss most about this season, you know, frankly, Liz, the reason I'm I'm struggling with this question is because this is the time of year when I rejoice at being able to say goodbye to so many of these trash can teams that just take up airspace. Like the Giants are always the team that like this time of year, I just completely forget it because of that exact face that you just made there. Like that's the Giants every year at the end of the season. Um, although I will say, Credit to Joe Judge. Uh, <laughs> what a manifesto. Who, oh, man. What, yeah. Credit to Joe Judge for, like, I think I tweeted that the Giants haven't existed to me in, like, three weeks. And then, you know, he reminds us all of their existence with this wacko press conference where apparently players that have gone. And this was funny because, like, Twitter did the research on this thing. You know, Joe Judge comes out and says, like, uh, you know, I've got players that left here this offseason coming back and, you know, just tell me, even though they're making more money in other teams, how much like they miss playing here. And it's like, I thought to myself, like, how many players really left the Giants this offseason? Like, what are you talking about? Like Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman? Like, they really wish they were back in New York. And it's like Dalvin Tomlinson and Kevin Zeitler are the only two guys. Um, Jason from OverTheCap.com looked at this. Obviously, he's got the database. It's like Dalvin Tomlinson and Kevin Zeitler are the only two guys like making legit money. It's like, who the hell are you talking about, Joe Judge? This is very much like, oh yeah, all, all my all my exes are they still miss me. They still hit me up. I, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> also, didn't a bunch of players like quit during uh the preseason during like camp? Were they like, nah, I don't need to work out this much? Like, remember that whole Yeah, that did happen. Yeah, yeah that did happen. That's so right. Like, oh, this season is kind of a pain in the ass, COVID, all this stuff. I'm just not gonna do this.
I know. Yeah. I mean, I've said the same thing with Sterling Shepard specifically is like, and I mean, he's towards Achilles. Like it's a, just a tough, tough time to be a Sterling Shepard truther of which I am a card carrying member of that club. But I would be willing to concede that like, oh, Sterling Shepard just can't stay healthy. If anyone on the New York Giants could stay healthy in their offensive skill position room. But anyways, that's why I struggle to answer this question because this is normally the time of year where I'm, I'm very uh, happy to be saying goodbye to many, many teams uh, and just hyper-focusing on the teams who deserve our attention, not um, Joe Judge, who apparently capitalized on my attention for a good <laughs> five to eight minutes this afternoon. Well, this is a fantasy football podcast, and this is the time that most fantasy leagues are wrapping up. Uh, we're not. We're going to have nearly daily episodes this week with a very heavy focus on DFS and betting. So you, dear listeners like Matt, can focus on the teams that deserve our attention and maybe a little bit of our wallet as well. Are you in any, are you playing for any championships right now this week? Yeah, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to mention this, but I need Devonte Adams to crush it tonight oh, no, <laughs> because you need, you need, you need the opposite, which is why I didn't want to talk about it. But uh, uh, yeah, I got to take, take down my, my, one of my brother-in-laws uh, after taking down the other one in our family league. Uh, uh, so yeah, got to have Devonte Adams come through tonight uh, after, one one buccaneer disappointed me this afternoon, but um, which one? It Should wasn't we... the one we're that oh. we think about. It. it wasn't the one that we're thinking. Of. I was Ronald honestly, Jones? I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, listen, Liz. Honestly, credit to Antonio Brown for becoming the distraction to people. Don't realize that Ronald Jones had less than forty yards rushing against the <sighs> Jets when everybody when everybody needed him. Oh, well, that's why A.B. quit. Um, we should talk about that because A.B. didn't just quit on the Bucks; he quit on fantasy managers like me. Uh, I had Michael Carter, who was concussed, probably the only offensive bright spot of the Jets. Um, and I'm talking about the running back, not the cornerback, obviously. He was concussed in the game. I had him, um, Antonio Brown as well, who we're just going to talk about. I am, to clarify what Matt said earlier, and then we'll I promise we'll move on because no one wants to hear about our fantasy leagues. But because it's our show, we get to talk about them. I am up by 12 points with Devontae Adams, my, who my opponent has left to go. So I really need that one degree to turn into a ground game, but Matt needs the other thing. I'm alive in another league. They're both 14-teamers, and that's a little bit closer. I'm up by 24 with a couple of players yet, but the opponent has Nick Chubb to go. I have Najee Harris to go. So we'll see. I, I feel like I should win a trophy in one of them. But anyway, A.B. A.B. is the place to go. He is... The spectacle, he is the circus, he is all of the things. You called him a distraction. I think that's perfectly put. So we left the game. Just, you know, Mike Evans went over and said, like, brah, maybe calm down. And then uh, he just took off his clothes and ran through his shirt, took off his pants, threw his shirt into the stands. That's a nice souvenir, I guess. And then uh, waved a peace sign and ran to the locker room. Although the security staff thought that maybe he was a shirtless fan and then tried to yeah. tackle him before they realized it was a B. So cool. Uh, he was picked up by a driver outside the stadium before the game ended. And, uh, the internet has been having fun with it since. I mean, if this is the end of Antonio Brown in the NFL, and I do think it's worth saying if, because you know, Never say never when it comes to the, you know, not even just the NFL, sports in general. Like, I do love that people were so surprised that Bruce Arians brought back Antonio oh, wow. Brown despite the fake vaccination card thing. It's like, is this your first time watching sports? You knew you knew to how this works? He served a suspension and he's back, baby. That's how it works. Uh, but this is like the one, like one step too far. You can't like just walk out on the team. Apparently, Bruce Arians said, he was just trying to get him to go back in the game and Antonio Brown said no. So Bruce told him to get the hell out and he got all the way, the way out, out of the stadium. He got all the way the hell out. So if this is the end of Antonio Brown in the NFL, what a fitting end uh, for the guy that he's been the last four years or so, three or four years for it to be a shirtless walk-off in the middle of a game. But then, by the way, the Bucks players, were losing. No, they were losing to the Jets. I mean, but we have seen players retire mid game, the cornerback, I'm um Vontae Davis. Thank you. Um, who also, you know, of hard knocks fame when he was with the Dolphins, um, did the same thing. But there was just like there's always gotta be such a about me um showmanship nonsense to A B, which is like probably a large part. We've seen this time and time again out of him. It does surprise me. You know what my like motto is if if somebody shows you who they are. 
leave him the first time, man. Like this should not be a big surprise. And um, I don't know. I, I I feel like Tom Brady pounded the table for his brother. So what happens yeah. now? I mean, he uh, he asked people to be compassionate in the post game presser when it comes to Antonio Brown. I don't know, man. I mean, this is like like I said, this is uh, if you could write the ending. This was this was probably the way it was going to go. Uh, I mean, this. Hey, by the way, this isn't the first time a shirtless Antonio Brown has celebrated his freedom from a team that no longer wanted his <laughs> services. Remember the the shirtless video with he was posted when he, the Raiders released oh, him sure. or whatever. The and Hallelujah, he, and he yeah. I'm, yeah, he says he was free or runner up. So I mean, this is kind of actually this is just something some something we've already seen before. Just uh, this time it was in the middle of the game. Well, what do we think about the Bucks? Super Bowl chances, right? Like, I'm always reminded uh, about something Therese Paler said, and he said it obviously in reference to the Chiefs at the time, but I think it applies here quite fittingly. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl in back-to-back years. I think yeah. because of the Patriots and because of Tom Brady specifically, we forget that. But, you know, the Chiefs obviously struggled to do it last year, and now with the personnel situation and Chris Godwin gone and neither Fournette nor Evans a hundred percent like some it's a different it's a different conversation now we see him struggling versus the Jets which I mean the Bucks bears mentioning were 13 and a half point favorites entering this game yeah I mean a billion percent it it is really hard to win a Super Bowl unless usually it's like unless you're Tom Brady it's hard to win back-to-back Super Bowls it's hard to win like several even in a row it's like that's why it's so funny we talk about quarterbacks and like legacy and rings and all this stuff it's like yeah most of these guys get one maybe two like nobody else is Brady nobody else just wins Super Bowls over and over again uh to go back to back is extremely hard especially when one of the biggest factors in the Bucks winning last year's Super Bowl was how healthy they were they're anything but that at this point uh not even just on the offensive skill position side of it you know they've had injuries on defense all year long they've got injuries on defense right now JPP Shaq Barrett like basically Injuries and absences have hit every layer of this Bucks roster where it didn't hit any layers of the Bucks roster last year. So it is like kind of the complete opposite side of variance. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, hey, and look, Tampa can still absolutely win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, they do have Tom Brady. They have a great infrastructure. And I think the hardest part of this is, you know, the last uh, two times, like when they lose Chris Godwin and all those guys against the Saints, it's like, I know that we think, okay, Tom Brady can go ahead and elevate everybody, anybody. And he did throw a gorgeous touchdown on a 93-yard game-winning drive. Against, it's against the Jets, but still, like, to what, Cyril Grayson or whatever? Like, yeah. he can he can elevate these other guys. It's not as if Tom Brady, like, you know, there's some obviously going to be some clowns on the internet that want to tell you that he's carried by his supporting cast or whatever. It's like, okay, give me a break, pal. But the hardest part is that he's losing these guys in the middle of the game. Like, nobody loses it. it like, this, the Saints game from several weeks ago. Nobody loses their top two receiver and their their running back and just like oh yeah the train just keeps humming you just throw in Tyler Johnson or whatever goofball is next up and like it will just keep the train on the track maybe they can do that if they get some time to prepare in the playoffs but there's no question that the skeleton crew that's around Tom Brady right now like this is not how it was supposed to be it's all in the timing we saw at the top of last year how it took Tom Brady a good half of the season third of the season to get in sync with players like Michael Evans, like Mike Evans. I don't know why I called him Michael all of a sudden, but like Mike Evans, right? I mean, and that's like one of the most elite contested catch jump ball receivers in the league. This isn't, he's not like a a backup. He's a first stringer. And so, yeah, I think you're, I think you're totally right. There's going to have to be some preparation. And that was also Tom Brady, like having practices over the summer, despite COVID protocol secretly. And it still took him a minute to get on page with elite receivers. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, We will definitely be keeping an eye on it. And it's also interesting to see what happens with the betting lines. Um, I know I'll be keeping my bet MGM tabs. I'll keep refreshing my bet MGM tabs to see, which way Vegas is leaning. Let's talk about another quick injury. RSJ, Ricky Seals-Jones, left the game against Philadelphia with a neck injury. I thought that maybe John Bates, who had frankly run more routes than RSJ since Logan Thomas tore his ACL, had a shot in this one to do something. He scored the week before, but the Washington offense was just too much of a mess. Bates did convert three of four for 35, so there is something there. Uh, I think it's, I mean, but it's telling that like, four targets was third in team targets for the Washington football team. That's another, it's another squad to watch as we move into the off season, a lot of grit, a lot of heart, but like 
yeah ultimately like talent deficient yeah and so injured as well i mean yeah. basically what we just talked about with the bucks that that's been um it, it does feel as if we've lost the thread on this Washington offense a long, long time ago. You know, it's like we all just kind of accept the Taylor Heineke experience as their reality. But like this is this was, this was not how it was supposed to go, right? It was supposed to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's that happened for what thirty seconds in Week One. Uh, and, and you know, obviously Curtis Samuel's never gotten off the map with them. Logan Thomas off and on IR. The whole Antonio Gibson experience. Yeah, it's just unfortunate for Washington. Sure. JD McKissick as well. You know, who I think gets yeah, underrated because he's not a giant oh, yeah. red zone threat for fantasy, but obviously obviously a PPR play. In fact, I just want to say this because I do think this is if people are fantasy heads are listening, Matt and I pounded the table about this a couple of weeks weeks ago. You Matt in particular highlighting Sony Michelle because of it, but I'm going to speak from personal experience. I had Antonio Gibson. I know you had quite a, quite a bit of exposure to him as well. I picked up Jarrett Patterson when you and I were talking about like handcuff season, quote unquote, and I was really glad I did now, and I think that that's such a good lesson because even though Patterson didn't do much in terms of rushing production, he did find the end zone, but like 57 yards, like I had him so that when the stakes were the highest for me, it was an easy sub in and I could make a volume-based decision. But also when J.D. McKissick went out, it was like, oh, I really have to jump on this. Like there's no other choice. There's This is so clear, and I felt like a lot of people, I was getting a lot of questions and like freakouts this morning and last night about like, oh no, I have Antonio Gibson. What do I do? And I'm like, well, I don't know why you're not doing, why, why are you waiting till now? We've been telling you to yeah, do something. Especially this season. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. hundred percent. And Patterson wasn't like, you know, in the Sony Michelle access of like, this right. guy should be a hundred percent rostered, right? Like, you know, um, it helps to actually put these guys out into tears, I think. But yeah. So like, but he was a guy that was clearly going to benefit if, if Gibson was ever absent. And even if Gibson didn't get put on the COVID list, like we know he was banged up all the time too. That's so right. could it could have won either many different ways. All right, let's get to some of these games. Let's talk about the most exciting game, I think, in my estimation. Uh, Bengals 34, Chiefs 31 seemed to be a statement <sighs> win for Cincinnati. You and I talked last week how we would like just – we shouldn't be level-headed about this. Of course, Joe Burrow is going to regress from his Week 16 showing – not, not by much, guys. 446 passing yards, four touchdowns through the air, zero turnovers. He did twist his knee, not the one that he tore his ACL on, thankfully. Um, but it doesn't appear to be a major injury. Still something to watch out for. Jamar Chase goes off for over 260 yards, three touchdowns. Like, I, I feel like... <laughs> I don't even know where to start because the Bengals were such a wild ride, right? They made that statement win against the Ravens earlier in the season, and we thought we knew who they were. And then they turned around and didn't like, you know, fell again, folded against a tomato can. And now against Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow is like smoking his cigar and being Mr. Cool. I know. Yeah. Hey, Burrow's knee felt good enough to do some little dances in the locker room. I I'm too old and yeah. lame to know what some of those dances are called, but uh, <laughs> he was doing a little doing a little moving. So, I mean, that's good. Maybe that's good news because that would be like the only reason that like Burrow, ooh, Burrow a little banged up would be the only reason that if I was a Bengals fan, I wouldn't be like jacked to the freaking moon right now could you imagine being a Bengals fan like you've got burrow and these two young receivers and all this like young talent littered across the roster you couldn't tell me anything i mean especially after winning the afc north like and i agree with you this is a statement win because last week you know he goes and rings up a um raven secondary that you know was full of backups which always kills me when people are like yeah but it was full of backups it's like yeah but he threw for 500 yards what did you want him to do throw for a thousand like yeah it was an impressive performance you can go ahead and say that but then it is of course like well all right let's see it against a real team and i said this on ffl today you know the chiefs are not just a real team they were fourth in terms of like drop back epa allowed heading into this game they had been playing fantastic football in the back half of the season from a defensive perspective they were rushing the passer really well you know chris jones and the boys were hunting up front and like this that's a weakness for for the Bengals is their pass protection but um this was a huge performance i mean obviously jamar chase just going crazy too and you know that's why this offense is so fun right now because I don't know whether I don't know like what to do with Chase and Higgins. Dalton and I talked about this on the midweek uh, stat nerd podcast. Like, 
where do you rank these guys next year? Like who's, I know it's like, who cares? Rank them back. Do, do what I always do, which is hedge, rank them back to back and whatever. But it's like, do you call that? Who's number one? Who's number two? Who's one A? Who's one B? Are they both one A? It's like, there's, that's how good they are. That's what's so exciting about this team right now. So yeah, I agree with you. Statement win. Awesome. Love to see it. And I also appreciate it. One for our friend Minty, who's had a ticket on uh, the Bengals to win the AFC North like forever now, and she doesn't have to sweat that next week. And thankful for all of us who don't have to think about like, oh man, what if the Browns beat the Steelers and then the Browns sneak in when they, we don't have to think about any of that stuff. The rightful winner of the AFC North is the Bengals and they deserve it. Doesn't it feel like the Bengals this year were what we thought the Cowboys would be? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, and, and that was actually, you know, I think I said that at one point in one of my articles that like they could be, you know, or no, excuse me, I credit to Anthony Amico, who I had on the Yahoo fantasy football forecast this off season. He, I think he said like Bengal or Cowboys North was what he was calling the Bengals or whatever. So yeah, even heading into this season, uh, obviously Dallas has gone several different directions since then, but yeah, no, it absolutely feels that way. On the Chiefs side of things, Mahomes passes for just over 250 yards, two scores, 25 rushing yards, zero sacks, zero turnovers. Pretty clean game through the air from Mahomes. Um, did most of his damage, or the Chiefs did most of their damage, I should say, on the ground without CEH in the lineup. Daryl Williams, a very popular DFS pick, a very popular sleeper pick, 88 rushing yards and finds the end zone twice. Had a pretty good feeling, honestly, about his red zone exposure. He had managed five red zone touches over his last, like, three games, even with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the picture. So uh, all of that Derek Gore fear, you know, not really something to be afraid of. Yeah, no, not something to be afraid of. Daryl Williams going to win people championships. Just one of the many rando backup running backs that's going to do just that. Um, the Raiders and the Colts are the next matchup on our docket. I want to start it off by shouting out... Dalton Del Don, who on the preview pod Unreal. with me said, Zay Jones, he is the sleeper ticket market. I was like, I don't know, Dalton, if you want to be on record for that, have fun. And indeed, so I have to, I have to applaud him. Zay Jones went eight of 10 for 120 yards. Unbelievable. Leads the Raiders in receiving yards. Hooray. And you know, the Bisacci bump continues to be a thing because they off the Colts who last week we thought were really, really hot and coming together and finding all of this confident momentum. Yeah, a lot of the um, and, and hey, also, I want to credit Hunter Renfro, too, who had what could have looked like it was going to be the game winner there. Uh, the long catch and run, but I think they marked him down by contact, too. But yeah, Dalton pulling Zay Jones out of nowhere is uh, one for the ages. One for the ages for old uh, Dalton Del Don there. Uh, I think, too, you know, we spend all week kind of like wringing our hands about Carson Wentz and whether he's going to get off the COVID list. And then Carson Wentz gets off the COVID list. And outside of one of the weirdest 45-yard touchdowns that you're ever going to see to T.Y. Hilton, I know, you know, it's like always stupid to be like, take away the guy's best play and look at what he did. But you take away that 45-yard <laughs> touchdown, which was thrown into double coverage and then batted play. back. Yeah, yeah. It's not even like, oh, take away his one bomb that he threw to T.Y. Hilton. No, he threw a bomb to a couple Raiders defenders who happened to pop it back to T.Y. Hilton in the end zone. Um, outside of that, pretty rough stats for Carson Wentz. You take away that play, like I said, he'd be 15 of 26 for and, uh, 103 yards. That's not great. Right. No, not great. QBR as it is, under 30, which is never good. But Jonathan Taylor continues to be an absolute stud. Uh, I don't even know how many consecutive games over 100 yards now. I don't think he's gone under 100 yards since week three. Is that possibly true? We don't have a research staff. We have do it all himself, and I have too many tabs open right now to double check it. Regardless, I don't think anyone's going to argue with me about Jonathan Taylor being the presumptive number one pick overall in fantasy drafts next year. Uh, I would say surely not. Nobody. I mean, we did the whole segment on FFL today, which was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Taylor's going number one. But who's going to go number two? By the way, yeah, it's been since, well, he did have one game November 28th. He went over 100 total yards, in that? No, 97 total yards, November 28th against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's it had been since October since he had gone uh, south of 100 rushing yards, Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely wild. Uh, the Rams almost lost to the Ravens. This could have been an upset, which uh, I'm sure the Cardinals were keeping an eye on because the Cardinals had a chance, had the Rams, in fact, fallen to the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens, then there was a decent chance that the Cardinals, after their win against Dallas, could have won the NFC West. But nope, 
Zero touchdowns from the Ravens offense, one defensive touchdown and four field goals. That's what made up their 19 points. Um, I don't know if we, I, I'm starting with Baltimore because I just mentioned they were losers. So let's just give them a little bit of uh, kudos here. Baltimore probably wins this game if Lamar Jackson is healthy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's just, it's funny with Lamar right now. It's been so long since we've seen him that it's just like hard to like wrap my head around the whole Lamar thing. Yeah, Tyler Huntley disappointing uh, outing if he has streamed him uh, ends up with fewer than 13 fantasy points despite rushing for 54 yards because, as you mentioned, no offensive touchdowns. <sighs> you hate to see it. Also, Mark Andrews, uh, Scott Pianowski fearlessly forecasted him for 85 yards. That part was true, but he... He stops his touchdown streak, um, converting all six of his targets, yes, for 89 yards, but no score because, again, <laughs> no offensive touchdowns. Uh, Ram side of things. Actually, I'm going to Cooper Cup you, didn't hit Andy's fearless forecast either, I, I see. Oh, that's true. He only had 95 <laughs> yards. So he continues that streak, but not 184 as Andy had fearlessly <laughs> forecasted. Also, the other part of Andy's fearless forecast that got me was two touchdowns. It was like 184 yards and also two touchdowns. I mean, can you just have 184 yards or like 120 yards in a touchdown? But like it just it was straight up greedy, but perfect for week 17. Uh, Cooper Cup didn't I mean there's there's nothing I care less about than nailing your fearless forecast stats. But really, <laughs> I, 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 um, I definitely beat myself up a little bit too much if I'm if I'm off by too much, mostly because people like we'll to take tell it. You. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it offline. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll have this. <laughs> Right. take it offline fair enough <laughs> what is fair it they enough. say what is the corpo saying we'll, we'll let's take let's take this off something, something about like kimonos and ecosystems and behind curtains oh, boy. i don't know um so peek behind the kimono the trees above the forest you see the trees for the forest the kimono I, one always made me uncomfortable but. i i think it's a little bit weird but i don't know how they continue to get get it past uh all of the you know rules anyway now we're getting really i don't want to get in any sort of trouble um odell beckham jr got lucky again um five for 39 but he finds the end zone he was matt stafford's second passing score of the game uh stafford by the way Still not looking great. Two interceptions, one sack. I thought that with Andrew Whitworth back in the lineup, he might be steadied a little bit. Sean McVay very excited, understandably, after the game. But, like, I don't know if you should be that excited or a little bit more worried or if it was telling. Uh, what are your thoughts on Matt Stafford, actually? Because, I, you know, Frank Schwab said something I thought was interesting a couple of weeks ago, which was like, why did were we why were we so in love with him? Like what were we so in love with him? Was everyone so in love with him? I was I'm a Bears fan. Like I've watched a lot of him over the years when he was in Detroit and it's like, yeah, was he that hamstrung though? Yeah, so I think the Stafford thing we really lost the we have said this earlier, I'm gonna use this phrase again. We really lost the thread on Matthew Stafford a long time ago. And frankly, I mostly blame Sean McVay. I actually mostly blame I Sean agree. McVay for this. Because he, sh I mean, I've said this many times, like he was shooting rainbows out of his ass, like the hard eye emojis the whole time about Matthew Stafford, like so geeked up about Matthew Stafford that it's like, well, you didn't acquire Patrick Mahomes, but I would make, you would make this Matthew Stafford trade, you know, 10 times out of 10, you do it again, all that stuff. Because I think today is a perfect example of this game against the Ravens of why you want Matthew Stafford. Because here's the deal. He is absolutely not a perfect quarterback he is absolutely going to throw some boneheaded passes uh like and throw two interceptions and put you in a hole like that that that's going to happen but you know who else would do that jared goff like jared goff was totally going to do that but you know who couldn't shoot himself out of that situation jared goff. jared goff but you know who did today matthew stafford i mean like that's that's kind of the the point of it it's like stafford certainly creates problems but he can fix some of those problems. I think the problem with Goff was that he created a lot of problems for McVay, and then McVay felt he was the one who had to fix them. You know, but it, I mean, obviously, like again, I think the fact that that they were so geeked up about the transaction is what has really like kind of thrown expectations out of whack. But I mean, you'd make the trade ten times out of ten, and and you know, Stafford's a better quarterback than Goff, no question about it. But he has flaws. He's definitely a flawed player. Most of which is he can be careless at times. He can, he can, he's got a great arm and he knows it too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's certainly an upgrade. I don't think anyone was debating that, but it wasn't the stratospheric elevation that I think the media made it out 
to be that we all like, I definitely was like, I don't, I don't know. But then I feel like I took a gummy and ate all of the Cool Ranch Doritos and was like, well, I guess I'm in. Like I'm licking my fingers. This Cool Ranch stuff feels great. You know, that's my go-to. Oh, no. Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> it's week 17, baby. Um, but, I'm a nacho but, cheese guy myself, but. Oh, you like the nacho? I don't like the get the staining. Anyway, um, also, I think the moment that I like drank the Kool-Aid or ate the Cool Ranch on Matt Stafford fully was when I listened to the um the podcast that Sean McVay has Flying Coach. Um Peter, Peter Schrager, the uh-huh, ringer, P- yeah, 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 yeah. And he had Shanahan on it, Kyle Shanahan on it, and they were talking about how they were both in Cabo at the same time, but at different like elite hotels, like super fancy hotels. And then let like, Stafford News was coming out and they were both like on their phones trying to like get Stafford and Kyle was mad. It was this whole NFC West in Cabo sort of like competition for who's gonna get Stafford in division, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well, Kyle Shanahan is like high-fiving him through this audio workshop. Like, I, I, get, I guess I'm in. Like, they should know something I don't. And like, indeed, I think ultimately you're totally right. And that's, this is much better than Jared Goff, but this is not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's not, exactly. It's not Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I would say the one, you even, I think that the Rams have even struggled with managing their own expectations of Stafford throughout the year. You know, at different times, like, they got so gassed up about what they could do now, like the empty stuff that they would do, the 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 vertical shots that they could take, that they weren't even really running the same old Rams offense. Like when you watch them on film, they didn't look anything like the the golf offense for, for Stafford at times. And part of me, and I think I think they've done this now, it's like maybe you want to bring back the Jared Goff playbook, right? Like, you know, maybe bring, you know, bring in some of that play action, bring in some of the deception, uh, the jet motions and everything with do a little bit of that. Cause the whole point, I think for guys like, and this is why the friggin' Niners traded up for Trey Lance is like, you want the guy to go out there and then take your beautifully drawn creation and put it in a frame, you know, put it in a, put it in a good looking frame. And that's what a good, a great quarterback can do for you. But again, it's not Aaron Rodgers. So I have a theory about McVay. And I think it is like one of his greatest strengths and also one of his um, biggest weaknesses. And that is, I don't think there's a bigger fan of the game than Sean McVay. And that is why he continues to make these OBJ and Vaughn Miller type signings um, because he's just so obsessed with the brand. He, I think he, but there's a difference between Sean McVay, who is a total fan, right? Like, I mean, this kid was like a high school quarterback, you know, like it's it's a different thing. And then I look at like Bill Belichick, who is similar in terms of like experience as a player, but is a student, a historian of the game versus a fan of it. And like, to me, there is like so many similarities, but that little tweak makes all of the difference, at least right now in McVeigh's career, because I feel like he's just, he just does this. He gets so geeked up because he's watched so much damn tape and he's just like, I love this guy. He has so much potential and like follows the brand name. And then is sort of like, Oh, now I got him. What am, what I guess, I guess I got, I, in my head, got him at like his ceiling, but I also have to live through the valleys of who this player is in real time. And that's like different than Belichick, who's like a walking encyclopedia of the game, not just like of strategy of chess, not just of like the hype machine. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you know, the way I always think about these guys, I think McVay is a perfect example of like, just like all of us out there, you know, life is a journey. Uh, We're not like the same person. (laughs) <laughs> like we're not the same people that we were two, three years ago. Uh, and yeah. like, McVay is not the same coach that he was two, three years ago. Uh, and he won't be this same coach that he is now in two to three years. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I think that like we get caught up in the moment of like, these coaches are who they are. And it's like some of these guys it's enough. We don't need to like revisit. Nobody needs to like, we don't need to see another chapter of the urban Meyer story, right? Like some of these guys, it is what it is enough. We don't need that. But like for coaches that are verifiably good and you know, from every, from every objective standpoint, McVay is a great NFL coach. Totally. Um, these guys are going to grow and move and go through different phases in their careers. Just like all of us go through different phases in our career. I talked about the Cardinals a little bit earlier and how they were definitely hoping the Rams could fall, but it was the Cardinals who ended up winning over the Cowboys. They upset the Cowboys by three points 
again, interestingly, and I just like to harken back to this, the Cardinals were six-point underdogs in this. Like, Minty and I, one of her yeah. best bets was whether or not, this was a real debate, the Cardinals could cover a six-point spread, and Minty and I were both in agreement that they could. I think that says, like, the the, the Cardinals played a, a fairly clean game. They got a lot of players back that they did not have, even though James Conner wasn't on the field from last week. I think last week, like, Kyler was just so under... Well, the whole, the whole team, frankly, was just so undermanned, and a lot of that was alleviated this week, and we saw the benefit of that. But I think, to me, the 25-22 to 22 score says a lot more about the Cowboys than it does the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, the Cardinals are just never going to look quite the same because they were, you know, sort of uh, like a stars and they're they're a more extreme version of what the Rams are. They're like a stars and scrubs type of team. Um, and most of their best players are hurt. You know, I mean, uh, DeAndre Hopkins hurt. Kyler Murray hasn't been the same since he came back from his injury. Uh, J.J. Watt's been hurt forever. And uh, Rodney Hudson's been banged up during this uh, stretch of games as well, where the Cardinals haven't looked so great. So, um, yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, Antoine Wesley catches a couple touchdowns. Uh, what is what a what a twist there that's for sure uh, i agree with you though the cowboys you know very um promising game on sunday night football about as promising a performance as you could possibly have i mean they got dudes throwing punches at each other in the first quarter that's how bad they beat the washington football team last week uh but this was a an, like a, a sloppy effort a sloppy game that um you know unfortunately we've seen a few too many times out of the cowboys here to end the season uh, Michael Gallup got injured shortly after finding oh. the end zone. What a bummer in this one. Shortly, literally a second. Yeah. <laughs> Three for 36 and a touchdown. He was the first uh, touchdown of the game. Eventually, Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper would also find the end zone. So Dak did throw three touchdowns in this one, despite only passing for 226 yards. God, the, the sorry, I'm still tilted about the Gallup thing. I feel so bad for that guy. I mean, this is like uh, supposed to be his big payday. Tears his ACL. Tough. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's okay. all I got. <laughs> that sucks. Um, I mean, it sucks, right? It is it terrible. I mean, he's about to he's about to you know come into a playoff run here, go into free agency. I've joked you know for for like over a year now that oh he's gonna be the, like the Lions' number one receiver next year or something like that because I think he could be a potential like one B uh, type of receiver for a team. He's just obviously overshadowed by two guys here. Great, great ball skills, really underrated separator, great vertical threat, wins at the X receiver position, which none of the other guys on the team do, by the way. Yeah. I, it's just a brutal break for uh, I mean, he was Gallup. averaging over 14 yards per reception, right? He was supposed to be the team's deep threat, but also like, yeah, big play guy. This isn't the first time all season he's been hurt. He missed a lot of the nope. like, first half of the season, right? With an injury. So I feel like that's definitely going to play into his market value. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's fascinating too. Like when you look at, you know, last week's game, uh, Dak Prescott had 11.5 average depth of target. I thought that they were really good about aggressively attacking downfield, especially like downfield up the seams, you know, Dalton Schultz, uh, some of those guys last week against Washington, uh, th those plays were not as present. 4.5 average depth of target today for Dak Prescott. That was a pretty big departure. What are, What is your feeling for the, like, obviously the Cowboys and the Cardinals are both in the playoffs. Like the seeding is still a, a little bit of a question, but they're both going into the postseason. Has your opinion of the Cowboys changed after this game from last week where ostensibly we're all super super high on them and thinking like oh man they could they could go far i don't know that this game changes that much uh i think maybe it's sobering if you got really really high on them after last week i mean the reality is like they're they are both teams you know this is the thing about football that's so complicated is they are that team that rung up washington uh, like basically blew them out in one quarter like i mean that was one of the most avalanche type performances of all time they're also this team that struggled with the cardinals all day and eventually didn't pull through so they're they're i think they're a very volatile team i think you can pick certain nits at um and kellen moore is a good offensive coordinator uh, but i think you could pick some nits with what he does from a play calling perspective but they're also just like on defense too i mean 
this is like now a thing on Twitter because everything has to be a thing on Twitter. But like, you know, Trayvon Diggs is an interception machine. He also gets roasted in coverage, you know, uh, multiple times per game. Well, so it's I like, mean, we've seen that, though. That's like the Marcus Peters experience yeah. as well, you know. Great, great player comparison, too. Yeah, like Marcus Peters type of experience. Marcus Peters, by the way, like, again, Strayvon Diggs, he's in his second year. We don't have to, like, pretend that we know what the rest of his career is going to look like. Um, <laughs> it's always stupid when you start, like, the the dumb fake whisper and then you can't hold it. That was a tough look for me. But anyways, like, that Marcus Peters was that boomer bust guy. And then I think he has gotten better and better with that throughout the course of his career. Trayvon Diggs will probably do the same thing. But right now, the player he is at this moment is a guy who is a volatile player. I think this roster, I think this is just a volatile team overall. So could they go in the playoffs like, and, you know, Michael Parsons and those guys up front, like get rolling, get hot, like make your life miserable. And then Dak Prescott on the other side gets really hot. And like, I think they could run through the NFC and potentially get the NFC championship game and win it. But they could also get bounced in the first round if they have one of these sloppy efforts. I think that's the way they are. That's the way I look at them as a team. The 49ers took care of the Texans. Um, The headliner, obviously, after this matchup is... The Trey Lance, I don't want to say debut, but let's call it the Trey Lance show since he debuted earlier in the season. This effort, much more decisive. 16 of 23 through the air for 249. So, but he did he did manage a YPA of 10.8. Two touchdowns, one interception, one sack, eight rushes for 31 ground yards. You have a bold prediction. I, it's not as bold. You have a bold prediction about Trey Lance. You had a bold prediction about Trey Lance on FFL. It's not as bold after this showing, but I do want to give you props for it because I don't think you'll be alone in it. No, I think it'll actually be like a non-bold, bold prediction next year that like, oh, everybody, Trey Lance, top five quarterback type thing. You know, the funny part watching this game, though, it was his rushing that I was least jazzed about watching him. And to be fair, like Trey Lance, there's still some rough moments, okay? Like there's still some moments where like, they traded three first round picks for this guy, but like you don't need to get caught up in the moment like that. But he's still a work in progress, clearly, which is fine. Like it's totally okay if he has the training wheels on. He spent like almost zero time prepping to be a starting NFL quarterback. You know, like this is the frustrating part about we get so, we got so excited about this rookie class, Liz, and I think justifiably so, especially when you look at what we're gonna have to deal with this coming draft. Uh, but like none of these guys were really groomed to be starters this year. Like it's just very different being a backup quarterback all off season, like Justin Fields or Trey Lance was. And then um, you got to get thrown out there. Like they're prepping Andy Dalton and Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever you think about that. That's what they're doing. Like the 49ers have prepped Jimmy Garoppolo to be their starter all year, like game plans, everything like that every single week going through the process. So it makes sense if Trey Lance still doesn't look totally perfect. But my point here, you mentioned the yards per attempt. Next Gen Stats had this. Trey Lance averaged the most air yards per attempt, 11.5, and threw for the most yards on 10-plus air yard throws by any 49ers quarterback in a game over the last three seasons. That's the stat to me. I still think he actually, from a rushing perspective, eight carries, 31 yards. There's some times where I'm like, again, is this a, he's, a, he's a weird runner. I actually think the thing I'm still most excited about with Trey Lance is that he's going to bring some verticality to this offense that happened today and I think it could happen more and more the more he plays well he gets the ball out hot right like it it feels like he's whipping it every time his anticipation is still a little bit off um and I think we are clinging to the 14 touchdowns rushing touchdowns that we saw in 2019 and that's why when you see the match matchup against Houston you think like okay well it's going to be his wheels that gain most of the production but I I do think that well first of all if Jimmy G can lead the league in YPA at a point this season, then we shouldn't be too surprised that in the same system, Trey Lance is able to do something. I think the most important, like the asterisk to that is that the Houston Lovey Smith led pass defense is not bad. I mean, look what they did to Justin Herbert, yeah. Justin Herbert last week, Justin Herbert only managed one passing score against them and the chargers fell to that team. So I think it is noteworthy in, if we are looking at, the overall long-term projection of Trey Lance, if he's not just this like mobile threat with an arm we shrug our shoulders about, right? He's not Taysom Hill. He is more than that. And we saw the potentiality of that today. And I also think we all got stuck into a little bit of a trap of like, well, he was drafted third overall guys like that. If you're drafted that early, you just, you just start. That's just, that's quote, just the way it is. And like, no, there's, there's no way it is. And after 2020, the year on a whole, we should not assume absolutes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, again, I think that is the, they're, they're going to do some 
cute stuff in the run game with Trey Lance. I just hope they don't get stuck on that. I actually felt like today I was pretty encouraged that they let him be aggressive as a passer and that he is aggressive as a passer. I mean, I like Jimmy G fine enough, um, but you can't watch this offense and even no matter how efficient they are, you know, from an EPA perspective, whatever perspective, you can't tell me there's not meat left on the bone. I think, um, I think Trey Lance is carving that meat off the bone next year. That's that's what we're I also here. think if Debo Samuel is healthy, I am less worried about Kyle Shanahan getting quote cute with Trey Lance on the ground, right? Because we're seeing Samuel be used out of the backfield. And if you have Eli Mitchell who carried the ball 21 times today and you have Debo Samuel who rushed seven times for 19 yards, then like the need isn't there. The need to like push that part of Lance's skill set forward isn't as necessary as like leaning so back stacked. and letting. Yeah. 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 And the there, other yeah, thing. Yeah, this is not at all like the go sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say the other thing for fantasy is that all three, let's take Eli Mitchell out of the equation, all three quote receivers, even though Samuel's used out of the backfield quite frequently, all three of them excel in yards after catch. Like Yak is the thing for all three of them. And the padding of the stats that will benefit Lance is so, you can't just dismiss it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, no. It doesn't matter if, if those aren't air yards. It matters like what shows up on the stat sheet and like, I'll take George Kittle's yak padding Lance's passes all day long. Yeah. And by the way, that's why Jimmy G and all these other goofballs that Cohen, this Niners offense are always high in yards per attempt. But I think the fact that, um, you know, a perfect example is Debo's touchdown today. Like that was a deep inbreaker. That's what Cooper cup has been making money on all year long, these deep inbreaking routes. And um, you know, that's going to be more present with uh trey lance there also the stuff like down the sideline to iuke on the out, actually outside the numbers you're allowed to throw there like that's going to happen with trey lance it's not really going to happen with jimmy g all right we're going to go quickly through some other notable performances starting with josh allen the opposite of trey lance as a passer YPA <laughs> of just 4.63 interceptions only threw for 120 yards as a runner, 15 carries for 81 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Gotta love this guy. Gotta love Josh <laughs> Allen. Anything else or just, uh, I mean, he can do, is that what makes him such a like valuable asset is that we know he has the arm, we know he has the legs. And if he is struggling in one of those areas, he can just pivot to the other. Yeah. So why is QB one again this year um, uh, in fantasy? I mean, he's, been just uh, he's awesome i mean he's, josh allen's great and uh devin singletary too in the backfield like kind of another dalton del don another dalton del don like pick so 3d is having himself i hope man i hope it makes up for the um the lions win well, over the cardinals i mean feel feeling good in your in your stomach about calling zay jones probably doesn't feel as good as you know i don't know who, who knows but you were, yes, go on. Devin Singletary, two touchdowns. Josh Allen, two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, well. I mean, he's he is sustaining some momentum there, uh, is uh, Devin Singletary. You know, we all kind of don't want to buy it from a fantasy perspective where you've been conditioned not to trust the Bills back. But, I mean, he's kept this thing up. He has indeed. Um, the Eagles backfield, we got a lot of questions about Jordan Howard, the Stinger situation, no Miles Sanders. It was Boston Scott who led the backfield, 86 total yards, four catches, two touchdowns. I don't care. I'm not going to deal with him next year. It's week 17. Can we move on unless you have something yeah. cogent to say? Yeah. Nope. 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 Noah Fant with that Drew Locke connection. I was not as – I was – I was not – Matt, I – this is one that I will, like, continue to pound the table for. Same rookie draft class, 6-7 for 92 and a touchdown. We had questions on FFL about whether Cortland Sutton would be something with Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy on the COVID list and – uh he wasn't. It was no fan. What are you thinking about? I mean, obviously, there are questions about who will be under center for the Broncos next year, and that's going to be a big determining factor. But, like, for fantasy, this is going to be such a cluster, I feel like, in 22, until we have that clarity, or even after we have that clarity. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. There's a lot. We're going to have – this is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. I think that the Broncos – 
told you exactly what they think about their quarterback situation when, despite the fact that Cortland Sutton was doing jack, Tim Patrick was doing jack, everybody was doing jack in this receiver room, they go ahead and give Cortland Sutton a big fat contract, Tim Patrick an extension too. I think they know that these guys are good and they can play. They're just held back in the current iteration of this offense. It does. It also is who is going to be quarterback, who's going to be head coach slash play caller there too. You know, is this a situation where, are they bringing Vic Fangio back? Are they doing Pat Shermer's the OC again? I mean, I hope not. Cause that I think is even more problematic than the quarterback situation is that they are so conservative uh, there in Denver. I think that is an, another reason why none of these guys have been even remotely fantasy uh, relevant for a long time now. Oh, also have to keep an eye on what happens with Melvin Gordon's contract. He's obviously in his last year yeah. of his deal. Um, I think he said, or I think Melvin Gordon said at one point this year, like, I want to come back to Denver, even if no one else wants me to come back to Denver. <laughs> Wait, I asked Melvin Gordon what he like saw for himself. And he said that he said that on Eckler's Ed. He was like, oh, no, I would like to be here. But he told me he wants to be like Frank Gore. Like he practiced with Frank Gore over the summer and like was just like, I want to play this this game until I'm like old. I could see like, that. Real old. And yeah, I agree with you. I think he, he's only 28, I think right now. Um, so we'll see where his contract lines up. But I think you make a very good point about that contracts that were given to two of the three top receivers. Um, on the other side of things for the chargers, Austin Eckler finds the end zone one more time, bringing his grand total of touchdowns, I believe to 18 on the season, just over 50 rushing, just over 50 receiving fine effort. Justin Herbert throws for 230 plus and two touchdowns, no sacks, no interceptions. So at least the chargers, um, they have to win out to make the playoffs. So one more to go. Yeah. All right. One of your favorite players, Amon Ross St. Brown, even with Tim Boyle behind center for a second week in a row, went off for over 100 yards, a touchdown, 23 rushing yards, and another rushing score. And in this game, it was interesting because DeAndre Swift, even though he didn't do a whole heck of a lot, was back. You had mentioned last week about what a confounding, I guess you could say, dynasty proposition St. Brown is because we haven't seen him on the field with Swift. I don't really think that this week adds much clarity because Swift was just coming back from a, such a long layoff. Uh, still, though, 11 targets again. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, DeAndre with four carries. Uh, he also gets three targets. Like, it's not quite the same, right, as fully healthy DeAndre Swift. I still think that there are questions to ask about his dynasty stock and everything like that, but God, the guy's a good player, you know, and they're used, they're like designing touches for him too. They give him that carry out of the backfield. Um, they're using him like Bud Light Cooper cup and, and he's, and he's performing in it too. And I think that's the thing. Like it's one thing when you're like a flash in the pan guy, like I've seen people say like, Oh, Darius Slayton had moments for uh, the giants, like as a day three guy. And then he was washed out because it's like, okay, Amon Ross St. Brown is doing it every single week, every which way. Like, I don't know if the Lions just go away from a guy like that. I mean, we'll see based on their offseason moves, but God, I, I just love the way this guy plays. I think he is so tough. I think he is great in contested situations. I think he's great after the catch. I think he was an underrated guy in the draft. And I'm just happy they finally like kind of unleashed him in, in this role that they've got him in right now. It's very exciting. Um, you know, and I, I was glad to see, like, I think I was texting not the not the brother-in-law I'm playing against the championship. Um, but like the other brother-in-laws asked me this morning, like, what do we think about St. Brown with Tim Boyle? I'm like, I think about I uh, think good stuff. You better don't don't be benching this guy, man. Like he's just too good and getting too much like legit volume. I, I think he's just a really good player. Let's keep an eye on him. All right. I am going to give you four running backs who had excellent performances, oh and we'll discuss one. Uh Rashad Penny. <laughs> Found the end zone twice. David Montgomery, easy touchdown right off the bat for the Bears. My gosh, the Bears defense, by the way, put up like 21 points over these disgusting Giants. David Montgomery, though, two touchdowns. Saquon Barkley cleared 100 yards on 21 carries. Donta Foreman, 132 plus a touchdown. Which of these those four guys do you want to talk about? I can't talk about all of them. We're running out of time. It's got to be Rashad Penny. I mean, I, I know really? that these have been two cakewalk <laughs> matchups. <laughs> The two cakewalk matchups the last couple of weeks, uh, but like he looks so explosive. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, those legs should be fresh. Damn, he doesn't play. True. <laughs> well, he's hurt all the time. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Of but course it he does. looks like what 
He looks like what the guy, the, the, the whole point of why the Seahawks drafted him in the first round. You know, it's like this is the guy they wanted all along. It's just such, I think it's just such like a weird, uh, crazy story, too. Like, right as the Seahawks dynasty is like collapsing into itself, then it's like <laughs> Rashad Penny's here just in time to make good on that first round pick at the very end of his contract, too. I don't actually know if you're picking one that I, I like, I got a real strong take on or whatever. I just find the Rashad Penny thing totally, completely, and utterly hilarious. Uh, and, you know, shout out to him, too. Like, I, I, he looks good out there. All right. Fair enough. Um, Saquon Barkley is going to be interesting to watch. I feel like over the off season oh. to see what happens. I mean, I know you're sighing, but like there are going to be some big high level moves in New York. And so the investment, I just, I, you, we can't get away from it. Like the, the front office can't get away from the investment they put into Barkley and what they're willing to do with him or if he's going to be supportive or if he is just like a wash now. Even with 102, yeah. what, 102 rushing yards in week 17? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what this Giants team looks like. You know, there was a report a couple of weeks ago that they are going to run it back with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones next year. I mean, seriously, I, that, hopefully that was one of those things where, like, they just float that to see what the reaction will be. And like, oh, 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 it's hot. I probably shouldn't have touched it, but I touched it just to make sure it was hot. Ah, that's hot. Uh, so, yeah, I hopefully they don't do that. Uh, and, and then we'll be able to talk about what the Giants will be because – uh, yeah, no good vibes on the Giants right now. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson both scored two touchdowns apiece, three passing scores for Mac Jones, an absolute rout against the Jaguars. Jacoby Myers scored, so that's got to feel good. Sorry to the people I said uh, you should probably sit him because, Lord, that doesn't happen often. Um, and two you did for... call him dust. He did call him dust last week. I did. He heard it. Oh. Well, good. Good for him. I mean, I, I yay. <laughs> I, I hope I helped. Um, and then two for some... Buddy called Christian Wilkerson. Oh, you don't have a, a scouting report to unveil on C Christian Wilkinson right now. I don't. Do you? Do you? Do you know? Um, do you know what his forty <laughs> no. time was? No, I don't. Surprise, man. There's no reception perception on Christian Wilkins Wilkerson. Oh my God. I mean, I, would I might rather do that than all these psychos that want me to chart Kyle Pitts? But it's a conversation for another time. I will tell you who was undrafted out of Southeast Missouri State. And that is all I know about him. All right, let's talk about Monday night. The Browns at the Steelers. This is Big Ben's farewell at Heinz Stadium. Hadn't heard. <laughs> I mean, it is a story. I get it. Lots of, oh, yeah. um, you know, like a lot of the secondary market, from what I understand, was like making some money on tickets. They were pushing it. And I think... It is a big story because it's a storied player, future Hall of Famer, ending yeah. his career. But it's also a big story because there aren't – like, Big Ben is one of those players who is definitely obsessed with his own hero status. And so I feel like that just, like, adds another layer to, like, the potentiality of this game being a surprise. Oh, yeah. Steelers win in this game. Lock it in. Now, I, I know I'm going to sound like an idiot now on the Browns win. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that the Steelers just are what they are. I think it's time for Ben, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, Browns are eliminated. They got nothing to play for. So, um, other than Nick Chubb getting 130 rushing yards, right, Liz? I'm, I'm going against Nick Chubb in the other championship league. I, not, I got Nandy Harris, though. So, I, I, you know, I would like to not have him rush for 130. Ew! That is interesting. If the Browns have nothing to play for, but it is a division rival and like there's always so much bad blood in this particular division, though, since Vontez Perfect isn't in it anymore, maybe it's a little more tame. Be interesting to see the strategy. Like, I don't know. Is it is it Case Keenum time? Like, do we just try to save Baker's shoulder at this point? I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess no, I think no they too, probably but... still, yeah, they probably still want to like, pretend like they're evaluating something something with baker although i don't know what the hell you'd see in the last couple of weeks here they'd be like ah now i know now i know the truth on the player it's just such a broken situation there in cleveland you know they don't have good receivers their quarterback is what he is and you know it's just it's it's time for the browns to call it a year yeah thanks for playing I'd love for like, I don't know if this exists but i'd love to know what the incentives are for individual players in situations like these, because I think we always are sort of like, well, it makes more sense for the team to do this. But like, obviously, 
individual players are playing for financial incentives and they're like, no, 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 no. Like I need to rush for X more yards or, you know, I don't want to be sacrificed for the team because I would like to put a, you know, I want to renovate my kitchen and I need that dough. So. Well, we know that Antonio Brown was like eight catches short of a $300,000 bonus. We did find that out on Twitter today. And um, I think you could use that money too. Based on uh, $300,000. Yeah. 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 Right. That's $300,000. You might need it. <laughs> yeah. You might want to. I don't know how expensive that Uber ride home is going to be, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we started the show with AB. We're going to end the show with AB. If you guys want to keep any of the conversations going, but not the AB one, because we're done with it now. You can do that on Twitter. Make sure to follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF and follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're at it, go ahead and double check that you're following the at Yahoo Fantasy handle. Until next season, the Sunday evening recap pod is out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.